whenever I have an excuse, I like to be able to explain the Mass, to be able to explain what we do here, the meanings, the symbols, and this Sunday, because this Gospel reading is a great opportunity to do just that, because this Gospel reading, Luke 24, the road to Emmaus account, when these disciples were unknowingly accompanied by the Lord who opened the Scriptures to them, it then was revealed to them in the breaking of bread. The church has always understood as a picture of the Mass. That's what happens to us at the Mass. The Lord accompanies us, is present through his word, and then he breaks the bread in the Holy Eucharist. So this gives a great opportunity to be able to explain what the Mass is all about. Also, our bishops have been encouraging, perhaps you've heard of this, of uh, this Eucharistic revival. Uh, encouraging us to grow ever deeply in understanding of the Eucharist, of the Mass, of what takes place here today. And so I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what it is that happens, what we do, what Christ does, most especially here at the Mass. So it begins with the liturgy of the Word. You know, this is could be compared to the first part of Christ's life. So in the first part of Christ's life, he preached the gospel. He explained the scriptures to people. And so also for us in the Mass, this is exactly what he continues to do. He becomes present among us in his word. And through the person of the priest, through the readers, Christ becomes present. The word is opened up to us. And Christ preaches to us. He preaches the good news, the gospel to us and explains it. So we begin, of course, the Mass uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This, of course, is a reminder of your baptism, reminds us all of, of who it is and whose name that we're gathered, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these three persons in one God. And then we say the Kyrie eleison. This is, means Lord, have mercy. So we come gathered humbling ourselves before God, knowing that we have sins and we offer these to him for forgiveness. You know, we use the words Kyrie eleison. This is Greek. It goes back to the first time that the Mass was translated into the common tongue of the people. So our Lord, when he first came, he spoke, from what we can tell, mostly in Aramaic. But because Greek was the international language of the people, this is the language of evangelization. You want to get the gospel out, it needed to be done in Greek. So the Mass was very quickly translated and began to be said, began to be prayed in Greek. That's where that Kyrie eleison comes from. It's a reminder of the incarnational way that our Lord continues to minister to the people in their language. So in the fourth century, the, the Mass would be translated again into the language of the people because Latin had taken over. Latin became the international language of the people, and so the Mass began being celebrated in Latin uh, there in the 4th century. This would continue, which it makes sense, because up until the 18th century, Latin, which became the language of the church, was the language of commerce. It was the language of, of scholarship, of learning, medicine, science. And so if you wanted to evangelize, it made sense to continue the Mass in Latin. So this continued on up to the 18th century. And you see that today, even in our Mass, uh, we still use some of the songs and the like in Latin, which you're hearing today, especially during the Easter season, 
one of the church's high seasons, we choose to sing these songs in Latin, some of these songs in Latin. Uh, more recently, the church has translated the Mass into, once again, into the language of the people. So Latin is no longer the language of commerce. It's no longer an international language. Uh, so we have the Mass in English and other languages as well. This kind of reminder of this incarnational presence of the Lord, that it's him who's ministering to us in this liturgy, the liturgy of the word. So the Kyrie, the Kyrie eleison, it reminds us of that, of the way that he ministers, going back to the very beginning. And then, of course, come the, the readings of Scripture and the explanation of these readings, the preaching uh, by the priest. Uh, once again, our Lord present here in the Mass, explaining these things to us. Uh, and then the intercessions. We pray for the church and the world. So this is one of the reasons why you have a Mass obligation on Sundays, because the world, the church, needs your prayers. That's how God has chosen to work through us. And that's, that's your job as one of those who's been baptized into the priesthood of Christ, to be praying for the church and the world. Uh, so this is the first part of the Mass. This is what we call the Liturgy of the Word, where Christ becomes present among us, recalling the first part of his life, the preaching and the gospel that takes place. In the language of the people, the prayers, um, Christ really truly becomes present. We open ourselves to his word. This is why we make, you know, for example, during the gospel, these little signs of the cross on our foreheads, on our lips, and on our hearts, asking the Lord that this word, what he's preaching, what he's doing during this liturgy of the word would come into us, be on our minds, be spoken with our lips, and be deeply into our hearts. So that's the liturgy of the word, the first part of the Mass. The second part of the Mass is called the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So this part of the Mass especially focuses on Christ uh, offered up to the Father as a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is what the word Eucharist means. It means thanksgiving. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so in the second part of the Mass, we as Catholics believe that Christ is made present uh, in this sacrificial offering on up to the Father. So, in this form of the Mass, on Sundays and solemnities, we always pray, during the second part of the Mass, the, what's known as the Roman Canon. This is the oldest, uh, one of the, um, it's the most revered form of Eucharistic prayer. So it goes back to the 7th century, to Pope Gregory the Great, who first brought this Roman Canon together. It's been changed and tweaked a little bit, here and there, over the centuries, but it's mostly the same. So that Roman canon begins with the family roll call. So you hear, we're praying for the Pope, for our bishop, for all of you gathered here and the prayers and the intentions that you bring to the Mass. We also mention the names of the saints, who we believe are also praying with us. So this is the family roll call. So it comes first in the Roman canon, and... Then comes uh, this, this sacrifice. The, the prayer begins to emphasize the sacrifice of Christ offered up. So this is the one-time sacrifice of Christ on the cross that supernaturally in the Mass is made present for us here and now. It's like a, uh, a supernatural sacramental time warp as though that one-time sacrifice is made present for us. 
so we can join ourselves to Christ. Ourselves as imperfect sacrifices, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to Christ to be offered up through Christ, the perfect sacrifice to the Father. So this is these prayers that we pray during this second part of the Mass. Then comes the communion. The communion, when we take divinity uh, into ourselves, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ into ourselves. Um, the Catechism says that uh, this sanctifies you. This is the source of our sanctity. It even forgives venial sins. So these are these lesser sins. Maybe you did, did them unintentionally or did them unknowingly. For what we call mortal sins, these are grave sins that are knowingly and deliberately done. They need to be taken care of in the confessional before coming to Holy Communion. But for these lesser sins, Holy Communion actually sanctifies, cleanses you. And according to the church, it preserves you from future mortal sins, from these very serious sins deliberately and knowingly committed. So that's Holy Communion, where the Lord feeds us with himself, strengthens us. So this is the second part of the Mass. When we you know, do the family roll call, all of us gathered together, we're offering up our prayers to the Lord through uh, Christ, the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice made present and offered up to the Father. And so during the second part of the Mass, I would encourage you to be offering yourself you know, saying to the Lord, you know, while the priest is praying, saying, Lord, you know, I offer you all of me as a sacrifice unto you. You know, lift your heart up to the Lord. Give him yourself fully, especially during this second part of the Mass. Now, as you're going through the Mass, uh, you might sometimes, when you're coming to Mass, find yourself discouraged. You might find yourself a little bit down. Maybe it feels as though you're going through these empty motions. Maybe you feel like those disciples who are on the road to Emmaus and Christ doesn't seem to be anywhere to be found. Realize that he is here, especially present in the Mass. Uh, and allow him to engage you to this active and fruitful and conscious participation uh, in the Mass, in his presence. Allow him to touch your heart. You know? uh, and there's some ways that I would encourage you especially to do this. In this form of the Mass, the priest, he uh, has a posture that's called ad orientum. That means toward the east, toward the rising sun, toward the light, in expectation of Christ's return. This is the historic posture of prayer. So the priest is not turning away from you when he's praying to the Father. No, he's praying with you to the Father. And so when you see the priest turning toward the Lord, this is a reminder also to you to turn your heart to the Lord, fully to the Lord. And maybe you get distracted a little bit. and Look at the priest. Oh, yeah, I need to turn to the Lord. And so consciously turn toward the Lord. By, by seeing the priest, what he's doing. Uh, the second thing I would recommend is to, especially during the first part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, to offer up thanksgiving. So during the first part of the Mass, we recall salvation history, all the good things that the Lord has done for us, especially through the readings. So take time to thank the Lord 
Maybe you can get out a dozen or so thank yous during that first part of the Mass, turning your heart to him, thanking him for all that he's done repeatedly. Then the third thing I'd recommend to allow the Lord to engage you is, you know, you might get distracted a little bit, but our Lord, in his mercy, has provided in the Mass lots of opportunities to kind of draw you back in. We have these times of silence before some of the prayers. It's a little time of silence for you to offer up your own prayer. After the readings, there's a little bit of silence. You can say a little prayer to the Lord during that time. Turn back to the Lord after the homily. After communion, there's a time when you can sit and be with the Lord. Use those times well. Use them to turn back to the Lord. Or when the priest says to you, uh, you know, the Lord be with you. This is a good time to remember to turn back to the Lord. To remember, hey, you know, that you need the Lord's help. You get all these distractions. The devil's trying to pull you away, pull your mind into all these other things. You need the Lord's help. The Lord be with you. To accept that as a reminder to turn back to the Lord. And then also to pray for the priest. He needs help too. Uh, to pray the Mass well and with thy spirit. So you're asking that the Lord will be with him as well. But all these opportunities that the Lord is engaging you, trying to engage you during the Mass. You know, through the posture of the priest, turning to the Lord, uh, through all these kind of thank yous, thanksgivings, especially during this first part of the Mass for the good things the Lord has done, things you're hearing in the readings. And then, of course, these little cues, the times of silence, and, and, you know, the Lord be with you. Remember to turn back to the Lord, to allow him to engage you. So uh, some opportunities to fully allow the Lord to touch your heart. So I'd encourage you today uh, with this reading, these disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't quite realize the Lord was there, but they felt their hearts were burning within them. You know, maybe you don't always sense the Lord here at the Mass. He is here. Allow him to touch your heart. Allow him to renew it, to set it on fire. Christ is here among us, preaching to us, just as he did in the first part of his life. He's here in the sacrifice of the Mass. The second part of his life, this sacrifice is made present for you and for me. So allow him to engage you. By turning to the Lord, this is the priest is turning to the Lord, by offering him a thanksgiving, and by recalling your attention back to himself again and again throughout the Mass. In the Mass, the Lord becomes present among us. He teaches us through his word. He feeds us with himself. Allow him to engage you, to set your heart on fire. Amen.